Pickleball Rocks is the world leader in pickleball apparel. Click the link in the show notes and visit pickleballrocks.com. It's Pickleball Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen, here in Asheville, North Carolina. Mark Renison is joining me today from thirdshotsports.com. Mark, how are you? Hi, Chris. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing great today. Happy to be here. Wanted to talk today about, uh, I guess, maybe a little bit of a taboo subject here, and that is bangers. It's the Big Bad Banger Show. I think a lot of people are calling people bangers who don't deserve to have that title hung around their neck. Because I think a lot of people are classifying anybody that hits with power or is at all aggressive. They just automatically classify them as, oh, that person's a banger. That's not the right way to play. Well, this issue of bangers and whether it's the right way to play and how you should play pickleball it's a complicated one. I know exactly what you mean that people can easily be identified. You know, you hit a couple hard balls at people's bodies and some people are quick to put them in that banger category. I think first of all, we should try to remove this, the stigma a little bit of the banger. Bangers play really important roles. And, and just for everyone out there who, the way that I'm using the term at least is a banger is someone who primarily hits hard. It is their default mode. So when they're hitting that third shot, mm-hmm. um, right, the serve return, the third shot, there's no thinking of dropping. There's no thinking of hitting a lob. They are going hard at you. Well, to me, but uh, and that's another thing, too. It's like, uh, don't feed me a bunch of high balls. And when I slam them back at you, don't just write me off as a banger. Because I've seen people do that too. You know, you, they they're kicking balls up that are that are high, and yeah, I'm gonna smash them. But then don't you know be dismissive and go, oh well, this guy's just a banger. You know, that's what you do with a high ball. You know, <laughs> no no one criticizes you for being a banger, do they, Chris? <laughs> Sometimes I do get the banger label hung around my neck, and I just don't think that I am. I think that I'm, if I'm playing aggressively, that I just don't think that that is the same thing necessarily. I think the ideal is is that you become a player who can hit hard when it's appropriate to hit hard, mm-hmm. can take pace off and hit soft when that's appropriate. Someone who um, who doesn't sort of get pushed around by all the other players in the game style that they're using. I think um, players who, who can be diverse in the skills that they use, yeah. they're the ones who are who are really a threat that you play pickleball against because you know that, you know, if they can't beat you using plan A, they can be using plan B. And if plan B is falling apart, they've got plan C. A banger is somebody who hits hard from the baseline, but key to that is they refuse to get up to the non-volley zone line. They want to play little tennis. I mean, to me, normally it's people that used to play a lot of tennis and they're more than happy just to stand back at the baseline and just zing it all day long. And the last thing they want to do is get up to the line. I think I have a little bit of a different take on that. Um, the way I see it is that a banger is someone who doesn't recognize the difference, the different moments in a pickleball game or a pickleball point, right? The times where it's appropriate to go uh, with power and, and go then with a softball. I would still categorize someone. I see them all the time at the, let's say, 3-5-4-0 level even, where they hit that third shot, they drive it, and immediately start running up to the net. So they're they're looking to come in. Their error is thinking that against most players, driving that ball at them and running forward is going to be helpful. So I think you're right that there there are those people who drive it from the baseline and refuse to come forward. You know, maybe it's a subcategory of bangers who do then move forward 
mm-hmm. um, but then who still often suffer the consequences. They use power when it's not appropriate. Yeah, I, I think it's more an issue of understanding or not, right? Understanding the role of a soft game, the role of changing speeds. And I think that bangers typically don't understand that. Whereas I think of some power players who you look from the outside and you say, wow, those guys, those guys hit hard. But then if you were to ask them, why did you hit hard in that situation? Or why did you hit soft in that one? They have very sort of clear, thoughtful answers. Intelligent power players know the difference about when to hit hard and when to hit soft. And they can explain that difference to you. Whereas, whereas a banger, it's nothing against them, right? Mm -hmm. They may be a new player. They may be just learning the game and they typically have a more limited understanding about the role that speed can play in the game. Here's a great uh, question from Mark Delvecchio. Mark says, what's the difference between banging the ball and driving the ball? Good one, Mark. Yeah, that is a good question, Mark. Uh, so I would say a drive is a refers to the flight of the ball. So a drive is a ball that travels in a straight line. It goes doesn't have an arc. It's hard hit. It goes straight. That's a drive. And that could be hit from the baseline. It could be hit from a three-quarter court. It could be hit as a volley, right? You can have a drive volley. Um, you could drive the ball on your serve. So it refers to how the ball flies. Whereas a banger, typically, or to bang the ball... I still think it goes back to that mindset and the intention or the tactics that underpin the shot that that person's hitting. Would you say that uh, somebody who consistently uses force when they hit up on the ball, would that classify them as a banger? I would say not necessarily. So especially with the way the technology is going with the paddles, with the amount of spin players are starting to get on the ball. If the ball is below net level, by creating topspin, by brushing up, if you do it well, you can actually drive a ball even though it's below net level. A good example of this at Nationals, we played doubles against Matt Staub and Aspen Kern. And Aspen, like, I mean, the number of times that that guy hit a hard topspin volley, mm-hmm. even though the ball was dipping below net level, was unbelievable to me, right? I was accustomed to kind of the thinking that you you just talked about. Oh, the ball's below, I hit a good shot, it's below net level. He's probably gonna play a soft one back and all of a sudden I'm getting the ball in the chest. So um, I do think that skilled players can create topspin on balls that are below the net and can therefore drive it with speed. This is Big Ball Radio, back with more after this. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and pickleball players. In fact, over half of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. Just as good drivers save money on their car insurance, people who live an active lifestyle should save money on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com pickleball and see if you qualify. That's healthiq.com pickleball. You'll find a link in the show notes, healthiq.com pickleball. See how much Health IQ can save you. Now, did you ever see the movie Annie Hall, Mark? Remember that Woody Allen movie from the 70s? Did you see that one? I'm familiar with it. It predates me by about uh, a decade or so, but uh, well, yeah, I'm familiar with it. I saw it in the theater, so I guess that makes me super old. <laughs> but uh, there was a scene in there where he's talking about, well, he's on a movie line, and this guy behind him, the movie line, is talking about this guy, Marshall McLuhan. He says, well, I happen to have Marshall McLuhan right here, and he brings him out. And they said, oh, wouldn't it be great if life was like this? This is one of those times when life is actually like this, because you were talking about playing against uh, Aspen Kern and Matt Staub, and I just happened to have Matt Staub right here. Hey, Matt Staub, how are you today? 
I am fantastic. How are y'all doing? Doing good, too. We were just talking about bangers, you know, normally hitting low balls that you would normally hit up on, that uh, those generally taking those and turning them into a, a hard shot, that a lot of people think of that as a banger shot. And Mark was saying that when he was playing against you in the Nationals, that uh, it was just an, you know, an unbelievable number of balls that you guys, you and Aspen, could take super low and still turn them, you know, turn into something really hard. Is that something that uh, just you're seeing more and more of at the 5-0 level? Well, let me start by saying that it really helps when you play with someone like Aspen, who's, I would say, one of the best players in the game at doing this. And having an amazing partner is probably step one, a lot better than myself. So between Aspen and Daniel Moore, I think are two of the best guys at taking balls below the net, balls that people would normally let bounce, hit up on, or not be aggressive with. Those two guys, if you watch any video of them, are the best at taking that low ball, not only being aggressive with it, but being able to keep it in the court, which is something that a lot of us, to include myself, can't do. Taking that super low ball and being able to keep it in the court and be ultra aggressive with it. So if you watch any tape of them, take some notes. What is it about their technique when you are standing side by side with them? Why can they do that and, and people like me and others find it so hard to be able to do that? I think there actually is a really, really high level of skill involved with it. They both use, I would say Aspen more than Daniel, but they're really wristy. Aspen is really, really wristy, meaning, you know, a lot of people will swing with their arms and try to get some topspin, but he not only uses his arm, but he's flicking it almost like a uh, ping pong paddle or like a, it's hard to even describe unless you watch him in person. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as creating topspin, those two guys can do it better than anybody. And I even struggle with it. You know, we got a slick paddle, we got a slick ball. It's hard to make topspin, but those guys make it look pretty effortless. Do you think they're, they're, they're carrying the ball just a little bit? They're lifting it up just a little and then they're zinging it at you? Oh, it's definitely a low to high. I mean, the, the concept, I think a lot of people understand, it's just hard to execute as far as, you know, they're definitely starting below the ball, catching a little bit of it to create that topspin as they, you know, brush up on the side of the ball. Even Aspen and Daniel, too, I tell you, something they do that I haven't seen a lot of people do is they can get outside the ball off both wings, whether it's forehand, backhand, mm -hmm. and, and hook. It's almost like in, in tennis, it makes perfect sense. And Mark knows this well. When you get outside a tennis ball, you can grab it almost and pull it off the court, yank it with topspin and go sharp angles. And with a pickleball and a pickleball paddle, it's nearly impossible. But those guys can get outside of the ball, whether it's whether they're hitting it hard or a dink even. They can hook the ball, whether it's forehand, you know, they're pulling it to the left side or on the backhand, pulling it to the right side. And it's just their ability to get outside the ball and take a little piece of the ball and still be able to effectively get it down into the court, which is not easy to do. Boy, that's for sure. Mark, what do you think? Well, I agree with Matt completely. And both Aspen and Daniel are good examples. The smaller joints, right, they're not very good for doing big, heavy lifting, but smaller joints are really good for moving fast. And so um, if you're hitting a shot, let's say a, a harder shot, you're returning serve from the baseline or even hitting a serve from the baseline, um, that's typically a shot that you would want to use your entire body for, right? The smaller parts, but also the bigger ones because you're, you're having to do more work. In the case of the shot we're talking about, so someone's at the net, you play a ball that's just dropping over the net, that flick that Matt referred to, 
right, requires so much acceleration, you're not going to be able to generate that with the big joints, right, with your shoulder and your hip and your legs. It has to be a very quick movement. And so that's where the use of the wrist is so important. And someone like Aspen, who's a really big guy, I mean, it's already tough enough to get the ball to land in front of him because he's so tall, but he's a big, strong guy who can generate that speed. You know, so this is a big advantage for someone like him. Guys, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. Mark Rennison from thirdshotsports.com and you can check out everything that Mark's up to at his website and Matt Staub. Gentlemen, thank you again. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Matt. So glad you joined us today. Go to pickleballnews.com, the official home of Pickleball Radio. We want to keep you up to date via email on all the news, deals, uh, travel info, tournament info, everything else. Pickleballnews.com. That's pickleballnews.com. My name is Chris Allen, and this is Pickleball Radio.